You guys are doing all right? You guys are warm enough? A little cold this morning, huh? Yeah, it's good, but it's good stuff. Um, so you heard Sandy mention Pastor Greg was supposed to preach this morning. Uh, it's been planned for a while. And then uh, yesterday he called me and he had a cold. And he said, you know what? I'm feeling okay, but the nose is running. And it probably would not be smart if we're telling everybody else to stay home if you're not feeling well. And then the pastor's up front sniffing and wiping his nose. So, um, so Pastor Greg was bummed. He really wanted to uh, share the word this morning. So just know that he loves you guys. And you can keep him in your prayers as well as he's just recovering. Um, so I got the, I have the privilege of bringing you the message this morning and um, uh, I'm going to share this and then I got another announcement and then I'll go back to the message. Um, but I feel like this morning's message is not just another message. Um, I feel like we've been on a theme this year, right? Compassion. And I feel like what God wants to share this morning is something that's not going to be preached just this one Sunday. The theme we're going into will probably be something that we, I'll probably preach again. More than once. Maybe some other people preach on. I think this is something that God really wants us to get a hold of. So I'll leave that for a second. Um, so one more announcement to share with you guys. Um, I got to meet with uh, Pastor Matt and the youth last Sunday after service and um, is no longer a secret. And so I get to share it with all of y'all. Um, I've got good news, but it could be a little bit hard news for some of us. Uh, pastor Matt is transitioning out of being our youth pastor. And I say that's hard because we all love Pastor Matt. He's been here for five years. He's part of the family. He will always be part of our family. And uh, one of the reasons why he's transitioning out is because he's got a great job and he's making lots of good money outside of church. Um, and with that, he couldn't even be here today because he had to work today. Um, so he guarantees and promises he will be here next Sunday and we will get to love on him and pray over him and send him out as he um, transitions into a new season of life and we've known this for the last several weeks in leadership so we've been praying and we've got several people that are interested in becoming our youth pastor and we're interviewing and second interviewing and we're getting ready to do that so I just invite you guys to be a part of that process both loving on Pastor Matt um, encouraging him as he transitions this new season of life and praying for our youth um, I got to share with them that even as a youth I grew up here at the church and my first two years in junior high, I had a youth pastor, and then he left. He went to the East Coast, and I got a new youth pastor, and that, that was hard, um, but it was good. I saw how it was God doing that, and, and I don't mean this bad, but just kind of give, my kids didn't even know this, that on average, a youth pastor is a youth pastor for about five years, and that's what Pastor Matt hit it. Uh, so that's not, it's not abnormal or weird that Pastor Matt was our youth pastor for five years and is transitioning on. Um, so just kind of sharing with you guys all that information. Um, it's okay to be sad because I'm going to miss Pastor Matt. Um, I love his crazy, unique style. Um, and we will never find someone to replace him exactly, right? There's no other Pastor Matt on the face of the planet. Um, and so he will still be part of family. He'll still visit. Uh, he still has the same phone number. So text him, bother him. Like I said, he'll be here next Sunday and we'll get to pray over him. Um, just throwing out there, all you youth and anyone that's ever been involved in the youth the last five years, whether you were in a youth group or a leader, we are going to have a party and we'll give you some more information this week where we get to spend time with Pastor Matt after service and uh, love on him. But for the rest of you guys, church body, think, be thinking of something you want to bless Pastor Matt next Sunday as we pray over him and send him out. Um, can I have a card of encouragement, a text, whatever, all those things if you want to pre-plan something you want to share with him. So giving you that information now. So um, we don't get to pray over him this Sunday. It'll be next Sunday. We'll pray, pray over him. Um, 
So yeah, one of those things, like I said, just kind of another big piece of what God is doing. God is doing a lot of good things. Sometimes we look at the pandemic and we look at all these things and we just see it as negative. But really, God's hand is in all of this. God is doing something. And uh, if you have eyes to see, God is moving in the midst when the enemy is trying to do something. And so enemy does not do anything here with Pastor Matt. This is just a, a good God thing. But I hope we have eyes to see it's not just a sad thing. It is a good thing. It is a God thing. And so I hope you have eyes to see that. So um, if you have questions, for sh- like I said, it's, this is a very healthy thing. Pastor Matt and I met. We had a good conversation. It was mutual. Uh, so it's healthy. It's a good thing. So just sharing that with you guys. Um, all right. So now jumping into this morning's message. Uh, this morning, our, we are still on our theme. We've been talking this, since the beginning of the year. What has been our word for the year? Compassionate. Compassionate. All right. Compassion. So I'm going to say the title of this morning's message is probably nothing new. Uh, nothing new. You guys have heard this for the last several weeks. The title of this morning's message is compassionate, but it's two words. Compassionate is one word, right? That's, that's a one word syllable, Pastor. Well, I'm breaking it up into come passionate. Before we go back into the sanctuary, we better come passionate. There's something about that absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's not in the Bible. That's just kind of a general truth. We know that uh, I experienced that when I was dating my soon-to-be fiancé, and she went on a missions trip for a month. And, and I was like, oh, it's like, oh, I was lovesick, right? I didn't get to see her. And, I get, and she was in a, there was no Wi-Fi back then. And it was just like, man, for a whole month, I didn't get to correspond with her. And man, my heart, just when she got back, oh, I couldn't wait to see her, right? And, and there's a difference between... You know, sometimes I kiss my wife goodbye in the morning. Like, hey, love you, bye, have a good day. And that, that's just, that's a good kiss. But can I tell you, when she came back from being gone for four weeks, I didn't just give her a little peck on the cheek, right? <laughs> there was a little bit more passion in my affection towards her, right? And I think that's part of what I'm saying is, I think sometimes we take for granted, right? Uh, have anyone heard that song? I think even a Christian artist copied it too. I don't know if it's Amy Grant, but uh, don't it always seem to go, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to sing it for you, but, um, <laughs> but it's something about truth, right? Sometimes we don't understand how privileged and blessed we are to have such a beautiful sanctuary that has so much legacy and heritage in it, nice cushioned pews instead of hard white chairs, right? Um, that's just the practical, right? But really, to me, it's the prayers of the saints, the things that I can remember as a, as Sandy gave a word, right, of, of communion and remembering things, there are moments I can remember, I've shared with you several times, on my face with none of you all there, in that sanctuary, just praying and snot all over the ground. I won't tell you where, so you won't be afraid to walk on that spot. Um, but there's places where I can remember. I can remember um, praying over somebody and them uh, accepting Jesus Christ for the first time. I can think of specific parts in, in that room. I can think of so many different things in that sanctuary where my kids spoke in tongues for the first time, right? Just so many different things that took place in that sanctuary. I'm like, oh, it has so much meaning and value. And so I don't want us to go back into that sanctuary like, ah, oh, just another day. It's not just another day. It's a big deal. Um, uh, I, I love that I, I think of movies all the time. And just as I said that, I think of Hitch, probably not a movie my kids should be watching. Um, but it's, it's a fun movie where I quote all the time. But uh, he's talking to one of his clients who's about to go on a date, his first date. And he's like, you know, it's not a big deal. And he's like, no, it's a very big deal. Like she could have gone out with anybody, but she chose you. It's a big deal, right? And so I just feel like even going back in the sanctuary, my personality, my bent my natural MO is just like, nothing's a big deal. I'm just kind of, I go with the flow. That's kind of my MO. Like, things don't rock my world, whether they're good or bad. Just go with the flow. And I feel like sometimes the Lord has to remind me, Ryan, this is a big deal. 
It's been a whole year since we've been all together in that sanctuary. So it should be a big deal. We should come with passion. Um, and I want to explore that. And like I said, I feel like this is a word not just for this coming Sunday. I feel like this is something that God is saying when we come to spend time with the Lord, there should be some passion in our relationship with Jesus. It shouldn't just be religious or going through the motions. There should be some passion. So I want to read to you some scripture about this. Um, the first scripture we're going to look at is John chapter 2, verse 17. John 2, 17. In the Passion Translation, it says this. Then when his disciples remembered the scripture, I am consumed with fiery passion to keep your house pure. Or in the New Living, it says, passion for God's house will consume me. Passion for God's house will consume me. And it says the disciples remembered Old Testament scripture when they observed Jesus going into the temple. They watched Jesus go into the temple, into the house of God, and he was full of fiery passion. I don't know about you, but Jesus is the perfect model of how we are to live life. Everything Jesus did is available for us. I love that Jesus was God, 100% God, but he was 100% human, and Jesus had emotions. Jesus was full of passion. It says, right, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That's an emotion. He was passionately sorry. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, meaning he had these emotions that were deep, sorrowful, right? But he was full of joy. He would rejoice that he was, kids were drawn to him because he wasn't just a, a ho-hum, just going through the motions guy. He was living life large, right? So this is Jesus going into the temple, but it wasn't Jesus just going to the temple to do nothing. Sunday school trivia. How many times did Jesus overturn the tables in the temple? Two times. Sometimes we think it was just one time. Two times. Two times. At the end of his ministry, that's the one we mostly know because the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they record only one him at the end of his ministry during Passion Week. We're talking about passion. During the Passion Week, as he's leading up to him to being crucified, he goes, right, we're going to have Palm Sunday coming pretty soon. After he comes from the Mount of Olives, he comes down. They're all praising him, worshiping him. It's a great celebratory day. And then he goes to the temple, and the kids are worshiping him. Ah, oh, and they tell him, tell these kids to stop worshiping. No way. If they don't worship me, the very rocks will cry out, right? And then he goes in there, and he overturns the tables. Wait a second. It was supposed to be a happy day, and now he's angry, and he's overturning the tables. But what I just read to you is in John chapter 2. Chapter 2, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Right after his first miracle, turning water into wine, Jesus goes into Jerusalem and to kick off his ministry. So it's the beginning of his ministry, the end of his ministry, he cleanses the temple. I can't help but think there's got to be at least some kind of parallel to what happened to us this entire year. I think there is something connected to Jesus saying, you know what, we've got to cleanse the temple. There's a lot of junk going on in here that doesn't belong. There's a lot of religious stuff. There's a lot of things that you're coming in here bringing garbage. And he's saying, this is my, God, this is my father's house. And we've got a clean house. And I love the picture. Jesus, he was full of passion or full of zeal. The disciples witnessed him and said, oh, this is what those scriptures meant. He's full of fiery passion to go into the house of the Lord. But it was anger. Do you realize that you and I, we can cause emotion inside of God? I am responsible to rouse anger in God. I don't want to do that, but I have been responsible in doing that before. But I have the responsibility to rouse his joy and his delight. 
I love that we sing a song this last Wednesday night, um, pull on the strings of my heart. And I love that Nick said, you know, sometimes we sing that song thinking it's just us, right? Like, God, pull on the strings of my heart. Make me passionate for you. But actually, no, God is saying, pull on the strings of my heart. You, you can stir God's emotions. So I love this. Another passage that I want us to read this morning is Zechariah. So this is Old Testament now. Zechariah 8.2 in the New Living Translation it says this, my love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. Everything in the Old Testament foreshadowed the New Testament. Jerusalem, meaning the temple or his people, the church, New Testament, you and I. God is saying that he's consumed with passion for the church. It's strong passion, not just a a weak level of love. It's strong compassion, strong passion, not compassion. And this word passion, um, oftentimes you'll read it in New King, uh, New King James. That's again, that's not my Bible. That's the one I like. Um, is zealous. That God has great zeal or he's zealous for us. So I want to give you the definition of zealous. I don't have a slide for it. So you just got to pay attention. It's kana in the Old Testament. Kana means full of emotion, to be passionate, to be jealous or envious, to be highly possessive of something. So maybe you've heard this before if you grew up in the church. God is a jealous God. It's the same word, cannot. He's zealous or he's passionate or he's highly possesses of you, his people. When he sees you worshiping another idol, and again, we read Old Testament, all oh, these guys are idiots. They worshiped other idols. For us, man, this is kind of the one that's not fun to hear. We spend more time watching TV than we do worshiping God. At some point, there's lots of things that can be idols in our life. I, I remember when I was a youth pastor, we sang this song on repeat in one of our camps, right? Anything you put before your God is an idol. And we sang this song, clear the stage. Get rid of everything that's on the stage of your life that exalts itself before God. That takes more of your time, more of your love and devotion and so God is saying, he's jealous. When he sees you giving more affection to something else other than him, he's saying, no, I'm jealous for you. In a sense, it's, it's healthy and right that I am passionate for my wife, right? I've, I've shared this. I don't know why I'm talking about it so much uh, uh, since Valentine's Day, right? I've been talking about my wife. Um, it's good for me to have a love for my wife. That's good. But anytime I love my wife more than my father in heaven, I'm an heir. And can I tell you, I've, I've done it. I've been guilty. Where God has told me to do something, but my love for my wife and my fear for her not to like, like happy wife, happy life, right? We all know that phrase. There's times where I've said, oh, but I love my wife so much. I don't want her to be angry with me. Okay, I just, I'll, I'll soften this and I won't really do all of what God's telling me to do. That's sin. My love for my wife was exalted over my love for my father in heaven. And God is saying that's not Okay. I love that it, it says in that scripture that God is full of emotion. That word kana means full of emotion. God is full of emotion. That might be weird for some of us to hear because I know that God is full of wisdom, right? He knows everything. And so he probably is stoic, right? And very responsible and very organized and has a plan for everything. And his emotions, like, ah, I say it all the time, like we shouldn't be led by our emotions except when we should be. 
Jesus, in a sense, was led with his emotions. He was led with this zeal and this passion for his father. And he saw things of injustice and corruption. And because of that, he did something. God is full of emotion over you. Let that sink in. That's kind of a, maybe a thing we don't hear a lot. But that's scripture. God is kana for you. Full of emotion. Passionate. Zealous. Jealous. I want to read another passage to you in the Old Testament. Isaiah 42, 13. This is in the Passion Translation. It says this. Yahweh goes out to battle like a hero and stirs up his passion and zeal like a mighty warrior. I love this. I, I, to me, when I read this, I picture things. When I read scripture, sometimes I'm not just reading just for information and just trying to be wise. Sometimes I'm chewing and meditating on God's word, and then I get visual images. And for me, when I read this, I get the visual image. I, I played football in high school. I love watching football. Now my son is playing football. There's something about before you go out on the battlefield, before you go out onto the football fields, you have to stir up your adrenaline. You see sports, they do this, right? Like I know, I don't know if you saw it, there was even advertisement, um, but I've heard Benjamin sing it. Uh, it's just kind of mellow at first, right? In the locker room. We be ready, we be ready, we be ready for y'all. And it just kind of, okay, we're getting ready. We're getting our cleats on. We're getting ready. But by the time they get on the field, they get in that huddle. And whether it's the coach or the captain of the team, they're starting, this is it. This is what we've been preparing for all week long. We've been studying these plays. We've been working out. We've been running sprints for this time right now. And they're, woo! And then they all clap, right? High five. And they run out of the field. They had to stir themselves up to go play the game. This is what the picture is. It says God does this. It says that God stirs up his emotion. It stirs up his passions. Wait a second, God does that? God stirs up his passions. I don't know if I have that here or not. Oh, I do. This word stirs up in the Hebrew is ur. And it, this is what it is defined as. Stir up, awaken, excite, raise up. To arouse to action, to open one's eyes, to arouse. That might sound too sensual, but that's what God does. It says God does this. God stirs up his emotions over you. So if God does that, do you think you and I have a responsibility to do the same thing? I am so guilty of singing a worship song, of telling God with my mouth, I love you. And that's okay at some point just to say I'll often. I say it to my kids every day. I say it to my wife every day, I love you, I love you. And that's good. I should say I love you to God a lot. But at some point, there's got to be some passion behind that. I mean, I don't, who wants to get married and only ever give a small kiss on the cheek for the rest of your life. What kind of kiss is that? Who wants to live a life where it's just ho-hum and plain and boring? I don't want to live a boring life. I want to live a life where I know how to stir up my passion. And like I said, I feel like this theme is something I can't just preach this one Sunday. This is something we've got to hear over and over again. 
If God stirs up his passion, then I have a responsibility to stir up my own passion. It's not okay to go through the motions and just come on every Sunday and do the same thing the same way. I've heard it. The coals, right? The priests in the Old Testament, it was the priest's job to stir up the coals. There was a sacrifice. There was something at the temple where they were burning sacrifices. And at some point after that fire, you kind of know a campfire, right? The fire and the wood, it kind of falls as it's burning and things kind of fall to the side. It's up to the priest to say, oh, that coal over there, we got to stir it up. Let's bring all these coals together and keep it hot. You and I, were priestly. It's our responsibility to stir our own coals. When you're not fiery and passionate, it's not God's fault. When you're not firing passionate for the Lord, it's not just because of circumstances. It's not a fun word to hear, but you bear responsibility for your own passion. Your pastor, I have a role. It's my job, kind of like a coach, to do something to stir you up. I, I hope I can do that at some level. But I am not responsible for your passion. You are. Nobody else is responsible for my passion. Hmm. God doesn't want a passive relationship with you. He doesn't want a passive obedience. All right, another verse. Galatians 4.18 Going back to New Testament, back to New King James. There we go. There's my bread and butter. It is good to be zealous in a good thing always. It is a good thing to be zealous for a good thing always. So again, it's not just Sunday mornings that I stir up my coals and become passionate. It's good for me, it's good for you to be passionate always for the Lord. Uh, again, you're stuck with a pastor that thinks about movies and songs all the time. I think about a song that you remember, Top Gun. You should remember the song now. You've lost that love and feeling, right? Whoa, that love and feeling. You've lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit has sung that over us. He's so fiery, passionate over us. He's like, oh, you lost that love and feeling. It's a good thing to be zealous over a good thing always. That's why I say this message isn't just a one Sunday message. This has got to be re-preached. I've got to preach it to myself over and over again. Because I'm not living it always. I can point to saying, he said, there's been times in my life where I can point it. I was zealous for the Lord. I was sold out. And then I look at after that, what happened? What happened to that love and feeling? And I guess I just, I think about it, it's not just, 
a religious church thing. I'm trying to make it unique and personal for your own life. Are your emotions stirred towards God? Maybe that seems weird because scripture, okay. But it says, scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, says that we should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. It's the greatest commandment. Jesus says in Luke 10, 27, I think I forgot to put, say that, but Luke 10, 27, and actually Jesus added a word. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. He added mind. I think too many of us in the church today, we just hold on to that word mind. Well, I just got to love the Lord God with all my mind. I just need to spend time in his word and just get more understanding of his word, which is true. Jesus added it. We should be passionate when we read and we're understanding new things about God. I pray that we are all passionate in our reasoning and understanding of who God is. But that's not the whole scripture. It's the definition of passion. He's saying with all of you, I want you to love me with everything you've got, with all your emotions, with all your physical strength, with all of who you are. Jesus said, man, the whole scripture, you want to, it's all in that one command. We make it so complicated. I guess for me, I'm just thinking about scriptures, right? We have to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's how you get saved. But our mission here at Osborne is not just to get you saved. It's we pursue a relationship with God. That's how we start off our mission. We at Osborne, we pursue a relationship with God. And then we have things of how we do that. But the reality is, are you in hot pursuit towards God? This is what he's saying. I want you to be in hot pursuit, not just to slowly graduate. I get it. We do line upon line, precept, precept, right? From glory to glory. I get it. There's gradual growth. And I'm not trying to take away from that truth. But there's got to be something where it's not just this slow and steady process. There's got to be moments where it's passionate. Again, I'm just using the relationship with my wife again. There's things that over time, there's been growth in our relationship. That's good. I want that part. But there's times where it's not just slow and steady growth. There's passion. I just think God is bringing this message because some of you, you need some passion in your relationship with Jesus. It's not okay just to say, well, I'm growing in the Lord and I just got this long, I've known the Lord for 40 years and that's good enough. Okay, I've known the Lord for 30 years, 40 years, 35 years probably, I've known the Lord. But I'm saying, I want to get passionate All right, so I said always. We'll love him always. There's another verse. Psalm 63, 4 says this. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. David is right. The, God, the, the man after God's own heart. David gets it. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. Can you honestly say that? I'm just being honest with you. I don't know that I can honestly say that's a definition of my life. 
that daily I am passionately worshiping him with all of my heart. I want it to be. That's my prayer. But I'm not there yet. So God is saying, ah, even as the sun, I see the sun coming out. There's things, there's maybe areas of our life where we've grown cold. I don't have the scripture on it, but I think you guys all know in Revelation, right? When Jesus says this nice, pleasant thing. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I wish you were neither hot. I wish you were either hot or cold. But you're neither. You're this lukewarm where you say you love me and you kind of do, but then you love all these other things. Again, I know it's not a real fun message this morning. But it's the truth of God's word. And he's saying, I don't, I don't want you to come and worship me with half-heartedness. Hmm. All right. I'll, I'll transition a little bit into the, the next verse. It says in 2 Corinthians 9.2, Paul's writing this to the Corinthians. He says this, your, your zeal has stirred up the majority. Or in the Passion Translation, your enthusiasm is contagious. It has stirred many of them to do likewise. I keep saying this message is going to re, re, be re-preached because I think this is something that needs to become who we are at Osborne. That we become labeled like the Corinthians. Your zeal, your passion, your full of emotions when you worship God has stirred up the majority, meaning it influenced other people. All right, I'll give a, a more practical one of this. One of the most practical displays of this is actually Daniel during the week of VBS. Who here has ever observed our sanctuary during the week of VBS? Oh, man. You've observed Daniel on a Sunday morning playing and worshiping, right? This is Daniel on Sunday morning. You should see him on a week of VBS. The majority is stirred up because this one man is so full of passion and emotions. He's all over. The, he can't just stay on the stage. He's running in front of the stage. He's running the pews. He's all over the place in bringing this worship to God, and it stirs up the majority. Can I tell you, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do, not just to observe, but I watch how the majority is stirred up, but then there's some of the cool sixth graders. They're too old for this childlike behavior. And I love coming up and standing right next to them. And I kind of bump into them a little bit. And then I start going for it like Daniel on stage. And they kind of, sometimes they give me like, Hah. and then sometimes I go over there and I'll grab their arms and I'll raise them and I'll start waving their arms for them. And then they kind of like, they kind of like, okay. Like, and then once I start get them going and they're doing it, they start smiling like, okay. And they start doing it with me. And they do it. And then they start having fun. I can't promise it, but I probably will never do that to you and walk over on a Sunday morning and seeing you like a bump on a log. And people around you are passionate for God and you're just singing a song. I'm not, I promise you I'm not thinking of anyone specific. I promise, I promise right now. But I've seen it. 
at Osborne. I've seen you not passionately worship God. And I'm guilty. I'm not trying to just like accuse everybody, right? I'm saying we are all guilty of this. In that very sanctuary that we're going to go into next week, I won't say maybe all of you, but many of you, you are guilty of when we are worshiping the Lord, you're thinking about other things. You probably saw me. I, I recognized the lights weren't on. I was fixing things like, oh, we're worshiping. Oh, but I got to go fix this technical thing, right? And I'm not saying that's wrong for me to understand all the things that are going on with service. But I think too often we get sidetracked. We do other things. We're thinking about other things. Even when someone right next to us is passionately worshiping God, we're like, eh, I know. Yeah, love you, God. I just feel like God is saying, no. <laughs> I shared this, I don't know how many times I can think of, again, being the youth pastor. I shared the, the video clip in the, in the Toy Story. If you were in the youth group 10 years ago, you'll remember. Toy Story, it's where Buzz Lightyear and Woody are talking. And at some point, Woody is trying to tell Buzz the truth. And he's finally, he just grabs Buzz Lightyear and he's shaking. He's like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're not getting it. And I feel like somewhat the Holy Spirit is saying that to us this morning. And I think he's going to say it again. Like, I think we're getting it a little bit, but he's like, no, you don't understand. If you really understood how passionate Jesus is for you, he's like, oh, I just want to shake you. Jesus is so in love with you. And you're responding with like a fraction of your attention to him. Oh, I wish I could just get that truth shooken into you. But I want to say this again. That verse says, your zeal has stirred up the majority. In a sense, today, I feel like the Lord is saying, will you take responsibility, you yourself, will you take responsibility to stir up the majority? I promise you, almost every Sunday for the rest of our lives, not 100% of people that come into that sanctuary are going to be filled with a passion for the Lord. But if you will take it to be your responsibility that I'm going to stir up the majority, I'm going to be a Daniel. I'm going to jump up and down. I'm going to wave my arms. I'm going to get a little crazy in my love and my passion for the Lord. And I get it doesn't mean everything has to be this external dancing around. I get it. But some of you, maybe you need to get on your face and weep before the Lord. Whatever it is, there's something that I believe God is saying at Osmond Neighbor Church. There's a calling on us. I'll say it this way. There's an anointing, just like this verse said, there's an anointing on you to stir up the majority. There's an anointing on you to stir up the passion inside of somebody else. I'll even say it this way. I know when I became the lead pastor here and I would preach, I would have people like coworkers or people that they hadn't seen me in a long time, and they know Ryan, and they know that I'm not an extrovert. They know me as an introvert and kind of quiet. And then they would talk to me before service, and I was kind of quiet. And then I would go on stage, and sometimes I'd be like really loud, and I'd be preaching with my arms all over the place. Like, whoa, I never knew that side of, that was inside of you, Ryan. I'm like, because there's some passion in here. And I don't ever want to preach just a boring message. Hopefully the Holy Spirit helps me with that. Left to my own vice, I'll probably be that. But I want to be passionate. And I feel like the Lord is saying, he wants you to be passionate. He wants it to have an, inf an influence on those around you. 
Hmm. All right. Acts 17, 27 says this. He has made men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and he's determined their pre-appointed times so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope or yearn for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. How many of you heard that verse before? I've sang that song of this church. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we live. That's an old song. My kids probably never heard that song before. Um, I've heard this verse a zillion times. But as I was reading it again, yesterday preparing for this message, because I didn't prepare for it all week long, uh, Greg told me, oh, I'm not preaching. I read this verse, and it stood out to me a couple things. God made you. God made all men to dwell on the earth. All right, God made you. But then it says that he pre-appointed your time. We've talked about this before. You could have been born at any time. You could have been born during the Roman Empire, right? During Abraham's day. You could have been born 50 years ago. You could have been born 100 years from now, if we're still alive. I don't know. But it says that God made you, and he purposely put you alive on the planet for right now. And then he says, so that... Oh, there's a reason. So why did God choose you to be alive right now? I know there's lots of things we could try to finish that sentence off. But he says this in this verse. So that they should seek the Lord and in the hope they might grope for him. The way he fashioned you, the way he created you, your likes and dislikes. He said, you know what? The most opportunity for you to actually grope and yearn and long for me would be during this season. Maybe if they're alive during a pandemic, maybe if they're alive during a whole year of not being able to be in a sanctuary, maybe I can stir up some emotion inside of them. I'm just using that as one example. Maybe if Ryan's sister passes away and a month later, brother-in-law passes away, and then a month later, Pat, you know, Jay and Rush passed away. Whatever it is, feel it. maybe God appointed me to be alive at such a time so that something would be stirred up in me and I would actually yearn for God. Sometimes I think we see things in our life and we're like, ah, oh, and it makes us walk away from God. And he's saying, no, I allowed these things to happen in your life so that you would grope and yearn and long for me. Maybe I put you in a season where it seems dry and weary and say, yes, I want you to be thirsty. In a dry and weary land, would you just thirst for me? We get so confused and the enemy manipulates and perverts and twists things. But even as Sandy said that word, I just feel like that word remember is so huge. Sometimes we remember our life and we see things and we're like, ah, oh, that was such a hard season in my life. Oh, I wish I could erase that part. And God is saying, no, don't you see? I've allowed these things to actually stir something inside of you. Because if I allowed you to not go through these things, you would just go through the motions and you'd forget about me.
And my heart, I don't want this to be a message of condemnation that you, you don't love God enough. That's not what I'm trying to say. I feel like the Lord is just trying to say there, there's something inside of you. There's a childlike faith inside of you. Scripture says he's given to each one of us a measure of faith. There's passion inside of you. Some of you are passionate about music, about art, about sports. What are you passionate about? Sometimes I gave my mom a hard time growing up because my mom is a, a pretty passionate person. She loves things. And she'd always say, Ryan, well, what's your favorite flavor? What's your favorite team? What's your favorite this? And I, and I would answer a lot of times, well, I don't have a favorite. I just, I kind of like this. I kind of like that. And I think even right now I'm getting fresh revelation that some of that has been the Holy Spirit in my mom saying, Ryan, You've got to have some favorites. <laughs> okay, random story. I can remember at some point, the reason my mom wanted me to have a favorite because her love lately is a gift. Like, she loves giving gifts. And so I knew as soon as I said I liked something, that means I was going to get everything that had to do with that. And I didn't sure I wanted everything to do with that. So I remember one time I was like, uh, you should collect something, Ryan. Do you want to collect rare coins? Do you want to collect this? And I was like, to make my mom happy, I was like, I like rubber bands. Because I'm like... <laughs> How can you get a lot of different rubber bands? Behold, my mom found lots of different rubber bands. Random story. I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. I think because it's the Holy Spirit saying, Ryan, you've got to pick something. It's not okay just to go through life with like, yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. What if I said that I, I kind of like Jen and I kind of like that girl over there and I kind of like that girl over there? It wouldn't go over well. At some point, I got to say, no, I really like that girl right there. That's the one I want to marry. I, even in my prayers, we've been dating for six years, and I'm still asking God, God, is she the right one? God, can I marry her? And finally, like, that, I'm telling you, that, I think I've shared it before. God's answer finally was like, Ryan, this is like close, most close to audible voice I've ever heard. Ryan. Do you love Jen? I'm like, well, yeah. Do you want to marry her? Yeah. Then marry her. That was his answer. It's like, oh, okay. I'm sharing that because I think God is saying this to me. I've got to pick my favorite. This morning, God is saying, you got to pick your favorite. You have a favorite TV show? You have a favorite flavor of ice cream? Is God really your favorite? I know you love him. I feel like the Lord is saying this to some of you. He knows that you love him. He knows that you believe in him. Another harsh verse that just came to mind, maybe. Man, I don't want this to be a harsh message, but verse says, man, even the demons believe. Good for you that you believe. Good for you that you have a love but he's saying this this morning because he wants you to pick him as his favorite. And when you're saying that he's your favorite, that means you have to say something else isn't. 
Something else has to not even get close to competing. So as we close the service, I, this is the one part of the service I didn't know. I had all these verses I knew I was going to talk on. I still don't even know how to end this service other than to give you an opportunity to respond. And whatever that looks like, maybe I'm not supposed to script it. I end every service. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And just maybe with our eyes closed as we finish the service, I feel like the Lord is saying to some of you, today's got to be a day where you decide. It's a day of decision. Joshua told the people, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Maybe to translate this message, choose this day who's going to be your favorite. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, Yahweh is going to be my favorite. And maybe today is an altar call just to, to get saved for the first time. But maybe God is saying, today is a day of deliverance. Today is a day of salvation. That now is the time of his favor. That he wants you to choose him again. To put him in the right place. And so whatever that looks like, maybe you're supposed to get prayer with somebody. Maybe you're supposed to get on your knees. Maybe at home someone's watching and you're supposed to respond physically in the natural. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you need to get alone. But Lord, I, I speak for myself and I invite everyone else to pray with me. I choose this day, God, to respond. I don't understand fully how passionate you are for me, but I believe you are. I believe you love me with a passionate love that cannot be fathomed. And I want to love you like you love me. I want to love you with more passion than I've ever loved you before. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all that I am. So, Lord, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, stir it up in me. I take responsibility to stir up my own passion, but Holy Spirit, just as that, that one father said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I, I want to stir up my own passion, but help me. Help me stir up my passion. A passion for your name. And as we close the service, as we close singing this last worship song, I, I can't forget to say this. Psalm 63, I read one verse in there. Psalm 63, that's your homework. I, I know I can say this to everybody, not everybody's going to obey. But as much as you can, would you commit? Read Psalm 63 this week, maybe every single day. If this is really your passion, you want to stir up passion, read Psalm 63 every single day this week. And I'm going to challenge you, read it in the Passion Translation. Read it in every translation. But the Passion Translation, it stirs up some passion. 
So I'm going to, I don't know, close the service on my own as a pastor. Spend this last worship song standing, kneeling, sitting, responding to God. My wife will close the service. I'm going to be in the back available just to pray over you if you need prayer. But God, have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.